Stevenson to the outside, they score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front, he scores! Five, two nights, Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Six down, drop the puck, let's go. We're getting ready for a game seven in the National Hockey League. The final team to be advancing to the second round will be determined in New Jersey, Prudential Center, where the Devils are about to take on the New York Rangers. Uh, plenty more on this one. We'll keep you up to date in the early goings of this series. We can tell you the goaltending matchup has been determined, Ryan Wallace. Yeah, it's uh, to no one's surprise. Igor Shesterkin and Akira Schmid. Hmm. Going back to Akira Schmid. And to be honest, I think it makes sense. Only one goaltender for the New Jersey Devils has won a game in this series, and that's Akira Schmid. So I, I, I trust that... Uh, I trust that in Game 7. I thought they'd go John Van Beesbrick okay. uh, against uh, good old Chris Terreri. That would be a great matchup uh, in oh the boy. day. Chris Terreri against John Van Beesbrick. Traveled back in time. Yeah. Oh you boy. bet you. Uh, it's a, I've got a one-way ticket back in time. Uh, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, uh, Chris Chapman. Uh, Chapman, you must be chomping at the bit. This is a long layoff between a five-game victory over the Winnipeg Jets and getting ready for the two superstars in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Well, I've had... I've had- a, a good feeling of other games and series to. to How are you holding up though? Are you, you okay? I'm, I'm antsy. I'm ready <laughs> yeah. to go. You know, I mean, it's like we we know we. I think we we a lot of us probably had a feeling it was going to be Edmonton, and now we're here, right? Like this is the anticipation is like for a heavyweight fight, except it's not in the final round. It's, it's kind of a strange thing because I think these are the two best teams in the Western Conference, and they're playing right now, and. They might be the two best teams in the entire NHL still standing right now, and they're playing so early in the playoffs. It's almost like it'd be great if they could play in the final because I, I think these may be the two best teams. Over the last few days, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. three straight trips to the final, two Stanley Cups, gone. Yeah, Colorado Avalanche, the team that dethroned Tampa Bay last year, won the Stanley Cup, gone. Mm-hmm. Boston Bruins, best regular season in <laughs> NHL history. Yep. Gone in the first round. If only somebody said that that was a possibility. If if you look at this and the marquee teams that are out, how much better are the chances of the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup today than they were last Thursday night? Okay, well, here's the thing. I didn't believe the Boston Bruins were going to get to the Stanley Cup final anyway. So in that regard, it's not that the chances for the Golden Knights have improved any because I didn't think that was a team that they were going to see in the final anyway. Uh, all that to say, though, like when you look at the fact that Tampa yeah, Bay... Tampa Bay and Colorado are still look, around. When you look at the fact that Tampa Bay is no longer an option, even though the team that I expect to go to the Stanley Cup final is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the fact that you don't have to go through the Colorado Avalanche is a big, big deal. And the fact of the matter is, like Colorado, Dallas, that would have been a heavyweight, heavyweight battle for sure. But the Avalanche, to me, were just a team that was on the ropes all season long, tons of injuries, no real depth outside of their 
top two lines. So with all that say to be to, to be said, it's good you don't have to go through Colorado, and I think that's really where the chances for the Golden Knights improve the most. So are they a two? Are they a three? Are they a one of the of the nine teams that remain? Oh, I I think I think the Golden Knights are, are probably two three, right? Like I think you look at the Edmonton Oilers. I think that they are absolutely uh, in that top three in terms of teams remaining. Um, and then the Carolina Hurricanes, to me, are, are still not – they don't have the, the high-end skill. Like, I, I'm still probably going Dallas in that mix, too. So if I had to go one, two, three, I'm going I'm going Vegas, I'm going Dallas, and I'm going Edmonton. So that's – Vegas is one? Yes. Okay, just – I wasn't sure whether you are counting no, up I'll, or, or I'll, counting I'll, down. I'll go, I'll go in order, yeah. All right. Uh, based on regular season standings – Carolina mm-hmm. had the most points of any team that remains. Sure. Then it's New Jersey. We still don't know whether they're going to go through. Right. Toronto and Vegas. Mm-hmm. So Vegas was a top five team. The only top five team to lose a first round series was number one, Boston. So while some high profile teams are out, mm-hmm. the cream is still at the top. With New Jersey still having to navigate Game 7. Yeah, I mean, if New Jersey gets through, it'll be interesting because they'll have, obviously, the confidence of winning their their first-round matchup. Uh, but it, the New Jersey Devils, like, they have to get going. And it, specifically, Timo Meyer has to get going in order for me to really buy the New Jersey Devils. Even without the high-end skill for the, the Carolina Hurricanes, I think that they can swarm the, the Devils enough. Um, and then, you know, I again, I... I I'm not terribly surprised the Boston Bruins are are out of this. Um, and I, I think for the Golden Knights, like in, in terms of complete teams that that have really good star power and and great depth and you know just a well coached team, I, I put them at the top of anybody. Laurent Bressois had some interesting things to say today in the dressing room, uh, talking about uh, his path. And really, you guys remember the movie Benjamin Button? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you want to explain the concept uh, to Benjamin Button? Yeah, you age in reverse. Right. So that's Brad Pitt. And, yeah. he, and he goes he back ages in time. backwards. Yep. That's what we have going on with LB. Mm-hmm. Because he revisited his life in Winnipeg as the backup and outdueled Connor Hellebuck. And now he's going to face the Edmonton Oilers, mm-hmm. who he broke in with. In the National Hockey League. Yeah. But it goes further back than that. Hmm. He played junior with the Edmonton Oil Kings and was all-world with the Oil Kings. Uh, so he, he's, he actually told me when he saw the final standings, he said, I, I, could, I saw the path there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he had a chuckle to himself yeah. that, that it could possibly go this way between Winnipeg and Edmonton. And the Stuart Skinner tie-in is also interesting. Skinner was drafted while LB was still with the Oilers mm. and started coming to camp just as Brassois was was leaving for Winnipeg. So there wasn't much crossover, but there was sort of a coming into the organization uh, part of it. But Stuart Skinner's an Edmonton guy. That's his hometown. Yeah. He grew up mm-hmm. watching... <laughs> Lauren Bressois dominate the Canadian Hockey League <laughs> with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Nice. So, so it's almost sort of the reverse of the Hellebuck situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you got the young kid, but 
as as a thirty year old, he's a young thirty, mm-hmm. Brassois, yeah, in his in his time. So uh, they're both here uh, at, on the stage in the second round at the exact same moment. And uh, for Bruce Cassidy, he's just going to leave the goaltenders and do your thing and try and sort out the rest of it, which is that Oilers power play. Here's Bruce Cassidy this morning at City National Arena as the Vegas Golden Knights return to practice. Ben Goetz, Las Vegas Review Journal. What are your thoughts on the Oilers? Well, I mean, they're a very dynamic, high-octane offensive team. Power plays, setting all kinds of records. So that's stating the obvious, uh, driven by some high-end players. Maybe some guys behind them, I would say, don't get enough credit. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to beat the others, you've got to find a way to slow them down at some point, uh, limit those chances score yourself because you're not going to never keep those guys right off the score sheet. So um, that's the, the challenge in front of us. So um, having said that, I think during our Winnipeg series, I felt we got better and better defensively as the series went on, uh, limiting chances. And if you take away the last eight minutes with a goalie out, I thought the last few games were really good at game four, game five, we're defending, we're reloading all the necessary things that are going to come in handy against, not handy, are going to be required against Edmonton. So those are drilled into our game during the year, and we found them again in the series against Winnipeg. So uh, that's the good news is it's very fresh and current in our players' minds, and that's how we're going to have to play. Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun. You just touched on how well you guys played defensively in the first round. So how important is it for when you get those transition opportunities because you're going to spend a lot of time trying to slow them down in, in their zone. How important is transition play going to be in this series? Well, I think for us all year, a lot of our offense came from neutral zone takeaways, neutral zone defense, um, protecting the house. And if teams got caught low or risk, made risk, no-look plays to the slot, we had numbers, we transitioned well. Our D would get going. We're a good rush team. That's how we generated a lot of our offense. It wasn't just breakdowns by the other team. It was probably what we did to get the puck back that fueled our offense a lot. So that'll be in play again too if we check well. You know, if you check well, you frustrate. And when teams are when teams are frustrated, they maybe do things they wouldn't normally do or or lose patience, etc. And that's where we got to be um, good on coming back the other way, which we have been. I don't, you know, we had. We scored well against Winnipeg first game. I'm going to take out the first game for every facet of our game. We weren't good enough. That's an area we're going to have to improve, obviously, our start to the series. But after that, a lot of our game was in order. In certain parts of it got better. We had some blips. But um, to go to your question, that part of our game was solid and and should be there against Edmonton if we're playing like we're supposed to. Jesse Granger at The Athletic. You've mentioned quite a few times how much you like to trust all three defensive pairs and kind of use them interchangeably. I'm curious, like your top two pairs, how differently do you view their strengths and just the style of the way they defend? Not a lot. You know, you got Naber, who's a big body. You know, Petro's a big body. You got Theo that's he's not, not small, but he's, he's more the transition guy, which is obviously Petro's strength as well. And Marty is not as big as Naber, yet takes care of a lot of what Naber does. You know, you, you sort of see they're different sizes, but Naber is more like Marty, I think, in terms of how, what they contribute to the pair, defensive stoutness, blocking shots, being the sort of the defensive anchor. And Petro and 
Theo are more the offensive guys and the puck movers, guys are on the power play. So you got one of each in each pair. Um, so, and I think they can be interchangeable in matchups too, because you because you have one in each pair, right? So I think that's the advantage, and you have some some grit in each one, um, some ability to join the rush in each one, because you're always thinking of that. The way the game is now, you need you need to be a four man attack at minimum to to, to create a lot of offense consistently. So. I don't know if that answers it, but for, for, for John, he's not from, we, know, we don't say Petro's got uh, line one and Nabber line two. It can be interchangeable in the game, um, especially coming out of special team situation, whoever's up. So that's what we like about them. They can both handle top matchups and, and, and always do. Now you drag, to get away from, you know, Hager and Whitey into this, that the pair was out the other day, they can handle some top matchups. Now, are they ready for it every night in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I don't know, time will tell, but they did a pretty good job the other night and, and have done a good job. So that's the advantage of, of our group. We're not, we're not afraid of our third pair playing against top lines at all. In fact, I, I think those guys relish it and probably deserve a little bit more, but they just happen to be stuck behind some, some good players too. <clears throat> Ken Volkeeson in Not Vegas. A lot of people say, like, just stay out of the box and you've got a good chance against the Oilers. Do you feel that it's that simple or is no. there more to it? I mean, they were one for one, two for three. I mean, if you take one penalty a period against a very good offensive team, you're, you're probably playing fairly disciplined. Um, to me, it's less about staying out of the box and it's their ozone time. You've got to find ways to keep them out of your ozone as best as possible. How is that? That's face-offs. Well, that's a tough one with dry saddle right out of the gate. Um, entries. Well, now you got the fastest guy on the planet, so you know, like that's easier said than done. And clears. So that's where you got to make sure your clears go 200 feet when you get a chance to get it out. You can. That's controllable. And the entries to a certain extent. You got to try to de design something to make it harder for them to get in. So I think that's how you, the best chance you have against their power play. Yes, staying out of the box. And we are the least penalized team in the National Hockey League, so I anticipate we will stay out of the box against them. Um, against Winnipeg, we were very disciplined, didn't take a lot of penalties, so that should not change. So I don't anticipate us killing a lot of penalties. On the flip side, they don't always need a lot of opportunities, so that's where we got to be good. Bruce Schoenrock from NHL.com. Obviously, you pay attention to the game. You're a student in the game. You, you, you like it a lot. It's it's one versus two. You can say me. I love it, Sean. I love, love it. it. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. But it's one-two from the 2015 draft in this series. Anytime you have that kind of matchup, there's a little bit of uniqueness to it. These guys had to wait a long time for that to happen. As somebody who loves the game, do you, do you get a little charge out of finally being able to see a matchup like this on such a big stage? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, you know, Connor is is on his own. That's no disrespect to Jack or the next or the number one the next year or the previous year. He is just, you know, Drysaddle might be the guy that would, 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 would have to say something about say, say something about that. And he's in, he's you know right beside him. So yes, it's good for Jack. It's great for Jack to have an opportunity to play against the best. I think where Jack is right now, he wanted to play in a playoff series, period. So we got that under his belt and now he's he's got a little momentum. So I think that's the next challenge for him. Okay. I may be matched up against one of their elite centermen, or when they're both on the ice at the same time. Now, we're again, we have Stevenson, we have Carlson, so we're lucky in that regard. We have a lot of good centermen that should be able to match up and check well. But, yes, I think everyone will be 
talking about that that matchup, uh, whether it's fair to Jack or not, doesn't matter. It's playoff hockey. I've got to outplay the guy across from you typically if you want to advance. So that's what's on the table for him. So I look at it as our team has to outplay the Oilers, not Jack McDavid, because that that's an, a nearly impossible ask. But when he's on the ice, I'm sure that's what's going through his head. I got to be better than this guy right now. And um, like I said, it's not an easy thing to do, but that's that's what's in front of us with this series. Mark Anderson, AP. With all you've gone through with goalie this season, to have a Brassad take the reins late in the season and in place of one of the players, what is that? How important was that to, as far as you don't have to that worry so much anymore that position? Well, you know, you know what we worried about was like. God, we've had a lot of injuries at that position. We're going to have another one. I don't think we're truly worried about who was in there when they were healthy. That's that's the good news. We weren't like closing our eyes, and and they all played well. So it was the problem keeping them healthy was it was our challenge and their challenge. So it's nice to have a consistent guy in there. Yes, every night, but it didn't bother us. As I said in the regular season, we we came to the rink knowing there was at least one or two healthy guys, and we'd be okay. I think our team. He's goaltender friendly the way we play in front of him, so that helps. It's helped LB in that last series. As I said, I thought we got progressively better, made his life a little bit easier uh, as we went along. And when we didn't, he was really good. So the guys are confident in front of him. Um, they've got a bit of an unproven guy over there too, so there'll be a little bit of conversation about that. He's going through it for the first, basically the first time. So that's the interesting part about this matchup is is the maybe the limited experience of both goaltenders in playoff hockey. How's that going to play out? That will become a conversation. I'm with Bruce. It mm-hmm. should be more of a discussion going into the series than it is. But you're overshadowed by the 2015 draft mm-hmm. and then the contradiction of Vegas's depth against the superstar tandem of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's going to be something that... You know, over the next couple of days, I'm sure we're going to get to it because, you know, goaltending is going to be a big story in this series. I think as, as you know, Sean Rourke kind of pointed out, the goaltender that, that kind of deals with the stress of being here and the opportunity of being in this spot the best is, is maybe going to be the guy that ends up continuing to play beyond this round. So it'll be really interesting to see how both Stuart Skinner and Loren Brossois approach that opportunity. I would hazard a guess, and we'll have uh, Gene Principe and John Shannon on uh, this week, uh, both with an Euler uh, approach to what is happening from uh, up north. But if you are going to evaluate the goaltending in the first round, Vegas feels better about its guy than the Oilers do about Stuart Skinner. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lauren Brossois uh, started every game, didn't have to be lifted at all. Stuart Skinner, of course, uh, was was lifted after the first period of Game 4 in Los Angeles after allowing three goals. Of course, the Oilers go on to get back in that game, eventually winning it, and that really was where I feel they, they took the series from the Los Angeles Kings. So there was certainly an option, right, going into Game 5 as to whether or not Jay Woodcroft would go back to Stuart Skinner or Jack Campbell, who was really good in Game 4 in relief. So at least that question has been asked of whether or not Stuart Skinner is still the guy. Uh, that has not been on the uh, on the table or the case for Loren Brossois. I think you'll see all four goalies in this series. At some point, you'll see all four goalies. You're, you're because probably the, not wrong. The, the amount of offense that is available and the ability for both teams to produce that offense, mm-hmm. I, I think, will generate. And you might have one of those mercy uh, pulls 
uh, from a goaltender. You might have to change up the momentum of the game. I could see both things, uh, both things occurring uh, through the course of this game. Now, here's here's the Stuart Skinner uh, scouting report that I have. Okay, uh, and it it's really interesting because it goes against uh, a little bit about what you would normally hear from a goaltender. Uh, you get the puck across the crease. You got to get it all the way across. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Against every goaltender, it works, but you really do against Stuart Skinner. He is really talented at getting over. Uh, that's different than, than Connor Hellebuck, who you could take advantage of big time east-west. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in tight on Stuart Skinner, he's deadly. The closer you get to him, mm-hmm. he is exceptional, and you really have to get it all the way across the net uh, to be able to take advantage of it. Now, here's the, the weird part. Hellebuck, on a straight-on shot... Mm-hmm is one of the best in the National Hockey League. Okay. Stuart Skinner, and I'm going to just draw a little bit of a half moon from face-off dot to face-off dot. It's not like the old warm-up that you would do because that's more at the top of the circles. but And it's it's not the Royal Road, which is right in front of the net, but this little arc from face-off dot to face-off dot in front of Stuart Skinner. Mm-hmm. Shot, shots from that location, he's vulnerable. It, it's it's a little bit against what you normally see these days. So I I would anticipate a lot of pucks directed towards the net. Mm-hmm. But as when it gets into a power play scenario, you got to really work down low uh, in front. He he is great at tracking rebounds. He's great at covering uh, both the high and the low in tight. He's he's athletic and he's technically sound on that side. But I don't know what the Cause is, mm-hmm. but the analytics do show from that face-off dot to face-off dot with a little arc right in that area. Uh, it's a good shooting location, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, but from that area, he is vulnerable. And go to NHL.com, uh, Kevin Woodley's scouting report on all the little goaltenders there left. Like he goes, he used to watch the last two hundred goals <laughs> on each goaltender. <laughs> They've got him down to the last fifty. Yeah, but. It's invaluable when you know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. which he does, and you're able to put the evidence with the education of, of the position. Uh, it's it's a, a spectacular tool, and teams do use his stuff to reinforce what they're seeing, yeah. what they're approaching. Uh, so I, I think you'll see uh, probably less side side advantages for Vegas like they did. They scored five goals mm-hmm. east-west mm-hmm. Uh, against Connor Hellebuck. Uh, but you might see more pucks uh, just directed. Instead of passing the puck, you might see more uh, shot and, and try to, to, to drive the net. Is there a player for the Golden Knights that you think can best um, that, that can best utilize that information to beat Stuart Skinner? Well, Jack Eichel. Yeah, that's with, that's with, the one with, that comes with to mind the shot for me. Because because Jack has the ability to get the puck to those areas. Yeah, yeah. Now, you need Jack forcing the issue mm-hmm. and not Jack sitting back and uh, and holding on to the puck on the power play. Sure, yeah. So I, I, I want to see uh, off the rush, getting to the middle, mm-hmm. and taking the shot. Yeah. Like that, that's, 
that's where Jack can really take advantage of that uh, off the rush or in zone if he can, if he's got a lane to get to the top of the circle. And by the time you shoot, you're you're basically down to the dots anyway. Right. Uh, so so he's a guy with just an absolute ripper. Uh, and and it, with Will Carrier back and causing some uh, havoc in in front of the net, we'll see whether he develops into some power play time. Uh, I think that might be a, a combination that that could work. Yeah, your idea of Jack kind of attacking into the middle of the ice. Taking that space if it's It's a there. different mentality for Jack. Jack, Jack loves to, to sit back and evaluate and then go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to take a much more aggressive approach for Jack to be able to take advantage of that weakness or the scouting report. And that could be the area where he's able to best impact the game, right? Like yeah. that, that might be one of those things where you're adjusting to the matchup in front of you and you're adjusting to, you know, getting to different areas in playoffs. Like it it could be something that we look back on at the end of this series and say, that's where Jack Eichel really took control of this series. Riley Smith is another guy Mm -hmm. with a great release and Jonathan Marcheseau. Yeah. Uh, We didn't see a a lot of him on the score sheet, uh, putting uh, a point. Mm -hmm. He doesn't pass up a lot of opportunities. Right. So if there's a shot first, Mentality, mm-hmm. and that wasn't necessarily the case against Winnipeg. You you had to let plays develop, and then you could take advantage of of Hellebuck. Uh, I think there'll be a lot more get pucks uh, on net. I'm I think that you'll see like that's the green light. Is there a better instruction for Jonathan Marcheseau <laughs> ever than let let's get pucks in the net uh, mm-hmm. and 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 go with that? So uh, I think that there's some some real opportunities uh, with with guys like that. Shay Theodore is another guy yeah. that can uh, that can can really zip it, but uh, we'll we'll see uh, where that comes with the fruition of, and we'll keep track of pucks location and, and where they go. Uh, Skinner had to ride a roller coaster, man, in mm-hmm. that first round series. That stick that broke on him mm-hmm. uh, in in Game Six against the Los Angeles Kings, that was staggering. Sure, that that could knock you out. Edmonton did a great job. They didn't allow anything after that. Yeah. Like, uh, that wasn't as much as Skinner. That was team defense mm-hmm. by Edmonton. They did a really good job on that side. But uh, but he was put through the ringer in that series. To, to come out of it on the right side is is pretty impressive. Uh, Bressois had a more consistent series, but now he's he's really up against it. He said today he doesn't change his approach for one team as a goaltender, mm-hmm. like he's not looking at it going, I got to change for for these guys. But he admits that this is going to be a real test against Drysaddle and McDavid. I mean, the way they move the puck around, the finishing ability, it's going to test everything that you have as a goaltender. It's going to test everything that you do as a defense core and. You know, as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, you, you got to bring another level to your game, and and that that starts on Wednesday for Vegas. Let's see. So Vegas in the past was really good against Colorado. Yeah, right. Remember the series where yeah. they won the four straight yeah. and and head to head in series. That is a rush team. Mm-hmm. This is a rush team. Mm-hmm. Are you able to filter that over? Now, power play during the course of the year, Edmonton was five of eight mm-hmm. uh, on on the power play against Vegas. Mm. You got to turn that around. Uh, Edmonton won three of the four games. Uh, two of them went to overtime, uh, so it, it, it's really close. They, close. They're yeah. uh, one hundred eleven points, one hundred nine in the year. Both teams are fifty wins. Uh, there's there's a, not a lot to choose, but some of those uh, just uh, little small parts 
could have a say in it or a big part, you shut down the dynamic duo. And the other here's the other thing. Those guys get frustrated like you do. Yeah. Like Chapman does mm-hmm. when the phones don't work. Like <laughs> they're not they're not just uh, unaffected by challenges. No, no. So, so make them frustrated, and and not just by running them and hitting them or anything like that and getting physical. You want to be physical on them, but the the less success that they have, mm-hmm. the more frustrated they will get. And there was none of that in the, in the first round series. There hasn't been anything like that for the last two and a half months for Edmonton, right? Uh, right. With, with what they've done. So if you can get them pissy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he'll be here. Well, try and get him you on gotta, the uh, radio. You, you got to get that drop in there. I got Chapman. Yeah. What whatever happened to that? You, you you know what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Of course I know. Okay. Yeah. Why are you, Leon? Why are you so pissy? Yeah. yeah. Why don't we have that drop in our system? I think we, we I think we used to. Ones. We yeah. need we need it for this series. For this series. Obviously. All right. Yeah. I'll. Uh, I mean, look. Maybe it's maybe it's when in he, here. he had the back and forth with the uh, with the media, uh, but. You can get them on edge. Yeah. And it's not pretty. Well, to your point about the Colorado series where the Golden Knights rattled off four straight wins, they frustrated Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog. And when you frustrate star players that are used to transition opportunities, they start to feed you opportunities going back the other way. So if, if the Golden Knights can check well and make it really tough for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl... Yeah, I agree with you in that they'll get frustrated. They'll make and start to force plays, and that's where the Golden Knights should be able to, to kind of take advantage of that. Watch game number one, how many penalties are called. Okay. Because if it's three mm-hmm. or less mm-hmm. for Vegas, mm-hmm. you'll hear a lot. And and <laughs> Jay Woodcroft was working the officials yeah. in the L.A. series because yeah. he felt that they were being penalized for having a great power play mm-hmm. and they weren't getting enough calls because the power play is so good, it would uh, artificially impact the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was his sentiment. Okay. Watch watch to see how many penalties are called. And and, and from the Vegas side, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if they get called for more than three, you'll see, hey, the, they're not that bad. Like we, You can't be putting them on the advantage for ticky-tack calls. Mm-hmm. You'll see... It was quiet in the Winnipeg series. Yeah, by from the Jets and Vegas, it was really quiet. Mm-hmm. I know the series supervisor personally. There wasn't a lot going on in that series. Both teams were really good. I think you'll see a lot more working of the NHL series supervisor, which uh, both teams go to when they have issues with uh, officials. Uh, I think you'll hear a lot more uh, during this set. Uh, We've got the one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League uh, coming up, plus an opportunity to qualify to win tickets to see the Vegas Golden Knights uh, in the second round of this Stanley Cup playoffs. It's all coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. One-timers brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Looking forward to getting into this Game 7 situation between the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. But before we do that, let's qualify somebody to win a couple of tickets to Game 1. I'm looking forward to game one. 
I believe it'll be game one or game two. You're going to qualify <laughs> for a chance to win tickets to uh, uh, game to this game. week in the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers uh, series brought to you by uh, Porta Subs. Yep. Uh, Two-foot sub, uh, you win instantly. And uh, Porta Subs, your neighborhood sandwich shop. Uh, call right now, 702-876-1340. Be caller number nine. Caller number nine. Chapman is standing by, 702-876-1340. Okay, let's start with what's happening on the ice right now. One more game in the Mm -hmm. first round. It's uh, the decider between the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers at the Prudential Center. The Devils have home ice. Hasn't met much in this series, although the last two games (laughs) have gone to the hosts. It's Mm 0-0, 14 minutes into the first period. Kira Schmid yep. for the New Jersey Devils. He was playing in the United States Hockey League two years ago. Yeah. I have a bunch of buddies who have kids in the USHL. Mm-hmm. He was playing against their kids <laughs> a couple of years ago. Now he's in game seven yeah. against the New York Rangers. Amazing uh, in this series. A lot. This is the part about the playoffs that sometimes is, is difficult to grasp. A lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. In this game, Devils going back on the on the kill uh, again. This one was a puck over the glass. Mm-hmm. Pressure does things to people in these scenarios, which is really unfortunate for the New Jersey Devils because at five on five, they've been the better team. They control play all of that. The Rangers have certainly gotten a little bit of life recently from their power play opportunities. As as you mentioned, Akira Schmid had to make a big-time glove save on Mika Zibanejad just moments ago to keep this a scoreless game. So hopefully, if you're rooting for the Devils, as some people in the studio might be, uh, the Devils get out of this penalty trouble early, and then they can find their discipline at some point during the rest of the game. All right. Uh, we got uh, four penalties uh, called so far in this game. Uh, that That's a lot for, for a yeah. period, and that's where you get into this Edmonton series, and you say... Don't take penalties. Sure. Well, a lot easier said than going out and trying to to stop them. And you know what? It's the the penalties, like the over the glass, yeah. or the penalties that you take against the Oilers' fourth line, mm-hmm. or something like that. That's those are the ones that that really bother you. Holding down Connor McDavid or or tripping him, well, you can you can accept that one. It's sure. the all, all the other stuff uh, that comes with it. Uh, we have the Stanley Cup champions are out. Mm-hmm. The Boston Bruins are done. Yep. After the best season, regular season in NHL history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in <laughs> different fashions, game seven. Yeah. But one loss to the overall, the 17th ranked team in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Now they're top eight in the in the Eastern Conference, but the Florida Panthers, the last year's President's Trophy winners, which tells you that they're they're not that they're not the 17th ranked team in the NHL. Well, they were this year. But but yes. Your point's well taken. The other team lost, the Santa Cup champions, mm-hmm. lost to a second-year team. Yep. What's a bigger upset? Oh, come on. It's it's not even close. It's it's the Boston Bruins. It's, it's 65 wins. It's setting a record for most wins, most points ever in 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 a in a NHL season. It's having a 3-1 series lead with three opportunities to close it out, losing three consecutive games, three consecutive games on home ice. When the adversity came for the Boston Bruins, they had no answer for it, largely because they faced none of it in the regular season, just like I said it would happen. 
that's a big knock on the Boston Bruins losing in the first round because this wasn't like Tampa, which had a record-breaking season, lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, but had that core that was still learning. Yeah, This was a one and done for the Boston Bruins. You don't know what Krejci's going to do. You don't know what uh, Bergeron's going to do. Uh, you don't know uh, Allmark. He's going to win the Vezina this year. Is he going to uh, find his, his stride again? So I, this was an aberration uh, of a regular season as opposed to what the Tampa Bay Lightning did. If in the future, five years down the road, I wonder whether we'll look at this upset the same way uh, in the sense of it was Florida, which won the President's Trophy last year, mm-hmm. won a round for the first time in forever, won a round this year. Like, there's there's more of a track record. I, I know what you're saying, and yeah. I, I agree with you in a lot, a lot of cases. Yeah. But losing to a second-year franchise when they're the Stanley Cup champions in the first round is still uh, a, a historic accomplishment it, for the for the Seattle Kraken. Vegas ruined anything Seattle accomplishes <laughs> 6 years ago. They ruined it. We don't we don't really put any stock into it. Well, you're you're right and the Seattle Kraken do deserve a lot of stick taps congratulations for what they were able to do. But when you look at the Colorado Avalanche, when you look at this team that that was on the ice, no Gabe Landeskog hurts, right? There, there were plenty of injuries all throughout the season, and there were injuries that happened within the course of that series, too. Now, you have to play a game without Kale McCarr. He's suspended, rightfully so. You end up losing that game. So I think you look at that, and, and you kind of understand why the Colorado Avalanche ran out of steam and just were not as deep at the end of the day as the Seattle Kraken. But I still look at the Boston Bruins. Listen, as much as an aberration of the season it might have been, you were still up 3-1 with two games on home ice. You lost 21 games all season long. Playoffs, regular season. The fact that you lost three straight at home. To me, that's what makes this a, a gigantic, gigantic upset. 21, that's how many times the Edmonton Oilers had less than three power plays in a game. <laughs> it, it, like, yeah. that, that's a rare occurrence. Uh, a year ago, right now, the Edmonton Oilers were getting ready mm-hmm. for the second-round series against the Calgary Flames, who were the favorites in the series, mm-hmm. the Calgary Flames. Yep. Calgary went out with a whimper in five games in that series. And a year later, the Flames general manager's gone, and Brad Trey living. Yep. And now head coach Daryl Sutter has been let go by the Calgary Flames. I'm shocked that both are gone. And I will just put this out there. Okay. Yep. I wouldn't be shocked to see Brad Trey Living reemerge. Really? I, I don't say it's likely. I just would like to throw it out there so if it does happen, I can say, I told you. Mm-hmm. Well, good. I There's just you get your victory lap. There's a, a, a scenario at play there where there was a, just, it was toxic between the players and Daryl. Yeah. 100%. Brad knew that. Yeah. Uh, they went through all kinds of exit interviews. So Brad and uh, Daryl and uh, the Don Maloney uh, went through the exit interviews. And then Don Maloney talked to the coaches. And that wasn't a great... There wasn't a, a real good vibe there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Don Don basically said, like, you, you're going to lose a bunch of players. You could lose your coaching staff. Like, n- nobody's coming back in a good place. Sure. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised they lost both. Yeah, it is interesting. Um 
ultimately, I, I think that moving on from Daryl Sutter in this context makes the most sense for the Calgary Flames. You make that big trade. You move on from Matthew Kachuk. You bring in Jonathan Huberdeau. That's your your next linchpin, your, your next player that you're really trying to to get to bring his game to the forefront. It was a down year for Huberdeau. Now that he's going to have a, a fresh voice and a different voice, he's going to have to return to be the player that he was when the Calgary Flames I just don't understand why they had to lose Trey Living I, as part of this process. I I, I, That's why I hold the door open well, a little bit. Yeah, maybe you'll be right. No, Brad, Brad doesn't need cash. Yeah. He comes from a very great family in Canada. Sure. His father, Jim, uh, Boston Pizza fame. Never uh, been there. Oh, so, so good. What's your go-to? <sighs> uh, Boston Brute. I like the Boston Brute, the sub. Nachos, all world. You're a big nacho guy. Big nacho guy. Yeah. Love them on the barbecue. Put oh. them on the barbecue all the time. Uh, and the pizza uh, is really good. They get a lot of, like, uh, designer pizzas. Like, oh, okay. like uh, Just more exotic pizzas. Like, what's the, most, what's the most exotic I pizza? I like my pierogi pizza. Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, no. Are you See, serious? Now I got your attention. I'm going to get a passport just for that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> One-timers uh, brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. We've got uh, one more chance to qualify. 702-876-1340. You'll win a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, uh, the neighborhood sandwich shop, and you will also go in the draw to win a couple of tickets to see the Golden Knights take on the Edmonton Oilers this week. Be caller number nine right now to 702-876-1340. Catching up with Chapman's next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So normally I like to use this segment to brag about myself, pat myself on the back, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, I got to give credit to Ryan. He did say previous to the playoffs starting that the Bruins would lose. I mean, it's I I got to give him credit now. <clears throat> Prediction time for Chapman. Okay. I am predicting that the winner of the series between the Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers mm-hmm. will go to the Stanley Cup final. And I'm predicting that they will play the winner of tonight's game seven between the Devils and the Rangers. Wow. Now, maybe not a, a hot take or a spicy take, but uh, I, I think those are the four best teams remaining in the playoffs. And I think that the winner of those two series are going to end up playing each other in the final. Well, I've heard Toronto being the best team in the playoffs still. I don't think so. I think... I have zero faith in them to do it again. Oh, come on. Well, I'll tell you what, their path got a little easier. When Did you it? got to face the 17th ranked team in the Florida Panthers. And on fire, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Uh, as long as Toronto doesn't make it... Well, the path Matthew, is there for Toronto. It, it is there. To it a is. conference final. But, but I'm not going to overlook Florida. Matthew Kachuk is is that kind of player that can make it all about him, right? You, you, it's Matthew Kachuk versus the world. Matthew Kachuk versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Getting him off their game. They've got to make sure that they don't allow him to do that. Well, he was the best player in that series. How about his dad a few weeks before the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Calling him soft. <laughs> it worked. Called Florida seems soft. And he's taking credit for the He should. Good. Win. Yeah. Just Take like, I'm, take, just like yeah. I'm taking a victory lap for saying the Bruins would lose in the first round because they didn't face any adversity in the regular season. Remember the bell that we heard Todd Pollock talking about the other day? Uh, VGK uh, ticket guru? Mm-hmm. Yes. They were ringing that thing like crazy today. Oh, I bet. Good With stuff. the revenue that we uh, talked about, inventory that we were talking about, and they select a seat event today. Whew. Looking forward to game one coming up. 
couple of days from now, we'll continue to tee it up for you tomorrow on Fox Sports Las Vegas.